Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Simmons & Simmons Data Center podcast series, where we take a dive into the world of data centers, providing insight on the rapidly growing industry that we should all be aware of as data centers have become increasingly central to the way in which the world works. I'm Charlie Goodwin, an associate in the Simmons Insurance and Construction Group, and joining me in this episode are my colleagues, Emily Monasteriotis, partner and head of dispute resolution in London, and Kirsty Barnes, head of the Simmons & Simmons data center team and a partner in the banking group. We shall also be joined by Dan Mace, executive vice president of data centers at Buig Energy and Services, Energy and Industry. As a consumerist society, in recent times, we've become more and more dependent on data centers, whether we're aware of it or not. From browsing the internet on a smartphone to backing up holiday photos on the cloud to paying for items by contactless payment, we've all been large-scale consumers of services that rely on data centers. To illustrate this, here are some statistics published by Domo Inc. Every digital minute, the following data is created by users on the internet. 240,000 photos are shared on Facebook. 5.7 million searches are carried out on Google. 167 million videos are watched on TikTok. 12 million iMessages are sent, and close to 300,000 is spent on Amazon. To coin their phrase, data never sleeps. Given the staggering figures and statistics around this ever-growing industry and asset class, whether you are an investor, an asset manager, an insurer, a lender, a developer or an end user, this series will be of interest to you. Over this podcast series, we shall explore what a data centre actually is, trends in the market and why it is such a growing industry, fundamental characteristics of a data centre, including the importance of stable power connectivity, general commercial advice and trends from negotiating data center deals and projects, the ever-pressing ESG considerations for the industry and hurdles to be overcome, managing risks in constructing, operating and using data centers. And in our final episode, we shall look at what the future holds for this fascinating industry. There's lots to look forward to, so let's get going. In this first episode, we're going to take a look at the growing and ever more important role of data centers to modern society, their key features and why they are such a growing market globally. For those more experienced in the data center industry, all our episodes will be available to download shortly, so please feel free to dip in and out as you please. So Emily, as a brief start of a 10, what is a data center? Simply put, um, a data center is a physical facility that organizations use to house and protect their critical applications data, IT operations, and equipment. So at its basic, a data center is a physical place to store and compute data. A data center design is based on a network of computing and storage resources that enable the delivery of shared applications and data. And now they're usually located in large buildings. Imagine a warehouse-shaped building, but housing very advanced electrical equipment, and they can be found anywhere around the world. And what would you expect to find in an actual data centre? Now, the specific of what's inside and in what quantities can really vary from one location to another. And also it depends on the ownership and use of the data centre. But it is not possible for a data centre to operate without two core components, power and a data connection to the outside world. Now, in order to host the data, a data centre will contain lots and lots of servers, which are essentially the best way to look at them are powerful computers and servers are often stored in racks which is like a cabinet for multiple servers 
as you can imagine, multiple racks of servers use lots of power. So a typical data center will have its power infrastructure as its backbone. And most data centers will be powered by connections to the local grid electricity network. Depending on size, they may have a substation built on site or in close proximity, and that power will be fed in through various transformers. It's then passed through the back of uh, battery supply known as the UPS and into the data hall. Almost every data center and certainly every data center that runs business critical operations will have a permanent backup power supply. This has traditionally been provided by large diesel generators, which are also wired into the same transformers, switch rooms and power infrastructure that allows main power to enter the data centre. The amount of electrical power available to a particular location will determine the data centre's capacity. And Kirsty, alongside these core components, what other ancillary equipment is needed to keep these servers up and running? Servers also generate a lot of heat, so all data centres will have some kind of cooling mechanism in place, such as fans or air handling or air conditioning units, to counterbalance the heat generated by the servers and to ensure the equipment doesn't overheat. Every data hall will also have some form of protection system against fire. With such expensive equipment sitting in the data hall, the fire suppression systems in use are very complex, ranging from the more basic fine water mist to much more advanced and expensive gas-based fire suppression systems. So it's fair to say reliability of power and therefore connectivity is crucial to data centres, isn't it? Exactly. The key to any data centre is its uptime, or in other words, the reliability of its performance. Now, again, this can vary depending on the classification of each data centre, but with mission-critical infrastructure, almost every data centre will be aiming for 100% reliability. That means power supply, whether that be through mains or backup power, and connectivity must be maintained constantly. The Uptime Institute, a body that provides a globally recognised tier standard for data centre reliability, has a reliability metric known as the five nines. This is commonly written into co-location agreements. In order to comply with the five nines, the power supply to the data centre must be operational for 99.999% of the time. The last data centre co-location agreement we worked on had financial penalties in the order of 15% of the monthly rent payable for the entire data centre, where there was a power outage of more than 26 seconds, but less than two minutes. So if you lose power to the data centre for one minute, it can cost hundreds of thousands of pounds. So when you quantify the importance of stable power and connectivity in that context, it's easy to see how disputes can arise. Emily, where are these facilities typically found? Is it within a company's physical space or is it somewhere else? Now, that's an interesting question um, because the answer is it varies. Uh, Organisations can choose to build and maintain their own hybrid cloud data centres or they can lease space within co-location facilities, consume shared computer and storage services or use public cloud-based services or they can do a combination of any of those options. The net effect is that applications today no longer reside in just one place. They operate in multiple 
public and private clouds, managed offerings and traditional environments. In this multi-cloud era, the data center has become vast and complex. And these facilities are so technologically advanced that when operational, it's not uncommon to see them operate uh, remotely. Microsoft, Google, Facebook, Amazon, or any other big use of data might have data centers dotted all over the world and able to serve different markets. The individual data centers can be controlled down to when the front door opens and closes from that organization's central hub offsite. Kirsty, we're commonly asked to review co-location agreements. Can you explain what they are? So in co-location data centers, a company rents space within a data center owned and operated by others and it's located offsite. The co-location data center hosts the infrastructure that's the building, cooling, bandwidth, security, etc., while the company provides and manages the components. That includes the servers, storage, and firewalls. This is in contrast to an enterprise data center, which is built, owned, and operated by the company and is optimized for their end users. Most often, these types of data center are housed on a corporate campus. The co-location agreement is usually a lease or a service contract between the owner of the data center and the tenant or customer who will rent the capacity provided by that data center. The agreement dictates how much rent or service paid will be paid and is usually on the basis of pounds, euros, dollars, etc. per kilowatt of capacity. The contract also dictates what reliability requirements are imposed on the owner and what financial penalties will be incurred if the owner fails to provide that required level of reliability. And which type of data centres and service models are most common in the market? So for a number of years, co-location data centres have proved most popular. More and more companies are outsourcing their data operations to third-party providers that specialise in data centre operations. However, over recent years, we've seen an increasing move to a wholesale model where the major cloud providers are now dominating the co-location market. And Emily, is there any reason for that market trend? There are a number of different reasons. Um, for example, the drive to reduce IT spending, our source requirements and harness the potential of economies of scales have increased significantly. With this, the co-location market saw runaway success, which continues to this day, through the move to a wholesale model. Now, put simply, co-location data centres are comparatively cheaper when compared against company-owned data centres, also known as enterprise data centres. Also, to meet stringent performance, reliability and security demands, organisations are increasingly choosing to abandon on-site data centre strategies in favour of co-location provided by the major cloud providers in the market. And these providers can provide the user with more flexibility and reduce risk associated with the storage of data. The major players in the data industry often have significant sway and bargaining power, allowing them to negotiate favourable deals, reducing cost for the end user. Well, to get some idea as to the size of this developing market, we spoke to Dan Mace of Weeks to get his insight. So the size of the uh, co-location market at the moment is estimated around the 55 billion US dollar mark, with uh, obviously the leader in the market being North Virginia, closely followed by London, Tokyo, Frankfurt and Singapore. 
the markets that we, we tend to look at uh, within our European area is what we would call the flap, which is Frankfurt, London, Amsterdam and Paris. And across those markets uh, this year, we will see probably four to six hundred megawatts of take up of computing and data power. We're also seeing very, very quick upcoming markets in, in Dublin, Zurich and Milan, where we tend to see 100 megawatts in Dublin, 50 megawatts in Milan, 50 megawatts in Zurich. So a massive growing market, not only globally, but also especially European-wide. And what we're now seeing is a, is a lot of the big American players coming across the pond and developing in what we see as a, as a wholesale American-style upgrade within this European market. And just to kind of put the data center market into perspective, our total global data doubles every five years. And this is a trend that we see increasing or that the, the frequency is decreasing. So at the moment it's every five years, but actually we're seeing that, that frequency come to every four years. And this is predominantly driven by GDP population growth where there is large amounts of population there's large amounts of data usage and therefore the market grows well dan clearly a growing market showing no sense of slowing down um to what extent if any has the covid19 pandemic impacted upon data center activity obviously initially uh, within the construction industry uh, it slowed everything down because we all had to work out how we worked in this new COVID world. We all had to work out how do we build and socially distance at the same time. There was then a, a kind of second wave which hit us, which was obviously within the manufacturing industries and, and the equipment that we use within the data center, we were starting to see shortages. And, and this was very eclectic. You know, it could be anything from a, from a, from a fan on a, on a chiller to a, to a, a, a microchip. Within a, within a breaker and, and, and we wouldn't know where this came from and, and, and what we were seeing was things like a, a chiller delivery going from 20 weeks to 52 weeks so where back in 2019 if you'd asked me how long does it take to build a data centre I would have said 9 months if you asked me today I would say 14 to 15 months but the opposite has happened to the demand in the market, which is with everyone working at home, with, I mean, what did we all do without Amazon? And, 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 you know, and Tesco's online to do our shopping during this pandemic. Our growth has now spiked exponentially. So as a market, construction has become longer, but demand for data is growing exponentially. What we now have to do is work out how we build concurrently on multiple sites, on multiple fronts, to meet this demand that we have. So, Kirsty, given the speed of the market growth and the positive prospects, you would assume that this is an industry receiving significant attention from would-be investors? Absolutely. Data centres are high on the list for investors who are increasingly turning to alternatives in the hunt for asset diversification and enhance risk-adjusted returns. This has coincided with the broad push into so-called alternative real estate in recent years. Investors facing record low interest rates environment continue to hunt for yield in new areas that are perceived to offer robust growth. 
data centers are judged as one of those robust areas and not associated with the lower returns which real estate typically offers in this area. And Emily, are you seeing any trends in disputes associated with this growing market? Now, the more investment in the industry, the more construction undertaken and the more critical infrastructure of this nature is in use, the more claims will arise. Data centres are very complicated and expensive to build. Constructing a data centre and testing and commissioning its infrastructure involves multiple different disciplines of very highly skilled engineers. So by their very nature, data centers are very expensive. They are such lucrative assets that any delay in the delivery of a data center can result in very high value disputes. Um, and as we heard a few minutes ago from Kirsty, if there's a power outage of even a few minutes, the consequences could run into the millions. Data centers have to run like clockwork. When they do not, claims arise. Um, the more that data centers are build, built, the more claims we are seeing. And what other risk areas are there for this growing market? Climate change. Um, there's a clear perception that data centers are high on the list in terms of carbon emissions, and that's because of the amount of energy they consume due to their significant power needs to run and cool the equipment. Data center providers and occupiers continue to make inroads with their sustainability goals and are rapidly switching to more environmentally friendly means of providing primary and standby power. But with ESG at the forefront of corporate agendas, the data center industry is really feeling the heat, excuse the pun, um, to use more efficient systems renewable energy and carbon cutting practices. Now that is clearly an issue that market players, investors and regulatory bodies will need to tackle in the coming months and years. Well, in episode six of this podcast series, we will be discussing those ESG considerations for data centre providers and occupiers. So stay tuned. Um, as a final question, Kirsty, could you just sum up in a few words what the future holds for the data centre market? It's a really exciting time for the data centre sector generally. Huawei last year released its top 10 trends for data center facilities in 2025. The business highlighted, and with which I agree, that rapid development of new technologies such as artificial intelligence, cloud computing, big data, 5G, and the metaverse will bring a new golden era, and market demand for data centers will increase dramatically. At the same time, the industry is facing challenges such as a difficulty to obtain construction resources, due to disruption caused by the pandemic, long construction periods and high energy consumption leading to ESG concerns. Brilliant. Thanks both. Well, that's it for this first episode of our Data Centre podcast series. My thanks to Emily, Kirsty, and Dan for joining me and my thanks to you for listening. In our next episode, we explore the fundamental characteristics of a functional data centre, looking in detail at the significant power demand, fibre and connectivity and fire suppression requirements of a data centre. Until then, goodbye.